maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello. And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your etiquette questions on no thank yous, but requests for gift receipts, handling major offenses at work, a crisis of honesty, food shaming, and rude comments about your young age. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript that dives deeper into an etiquette problem-solving process using consideration, respect, and honesty. For Awesome Etiquette Sustaining Members, your extra question of the week addresses a host of an international guest who is feeling a bit taken advantage of for the second year in a row. Sustaining Members, you can find your ads-free version of the show with its extra question at awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Can we talk about the adorable etiquette moment your daughter had yesterday at the park when we went and visited her and all her cousins? Please do. I'm such a proud parent, was, but it sounds so nice when it comes was, from you. This was so funny. So Pooja and Susan were down at the waterfront park, kind of outside one of our, our local uh, science museums. And they said, hey, you guys should just zip on down, see the kiddos for a minute. And they had um, both of Dan's nieces and Anisha. And everyone, you know, had kind of a picnic. And, of course, there's an ice cream stand nearby. So the girls all go get ice cream and they come back. Creamy. Yeah, everyone's eating their creamies, which is what we call them in Vermont. We've learned we are the only state that does this, but it's often C-R-E-E-M-E-E. And so Dylan, the youngest of Susan's girls, she's going in for Anisha's creamy and she like wants a bite of the creamy. And Anisha starts going, no, 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 no. I forgot what she was exactly saying, but it was really cute. She was like, like, ah. And then the very next thing that happens is Anisha takes her spoon. Like we have the moment we're like, okay, okay, not a sharing moment. Okay. And Anisha immediately takes her spoon. And this is how old is your daughter again? Oh, a year this and is a the half? one and a half year old yeah, interacting with the two old. and a half year old. Scoops off the top very delicately of the creamy and then feeds it to Dylan, like hands it over to her. It was like talk about like correct and redirect or don't correct redirect. It was so hysterical. It was so cute. And Lizzie says, That's an etiquette moment right That's there. I just moment. saw it. <laughs> We've got our pleases. We've got our thank yous. We're working on sharing. It's a new concept. I just loved it. It was so deliberate. It was like, don't do it this way, but here. And then it's like the proper way to share. It's like rather than the person reaching to your plate to take food off of it, you're like, here, let me cut you off a piece of that and hand you my fork. (laughs) Table manners are not her strong suit yet. (laughs) I think she's doing fabulously. (laughs) But exactly at that one and a half year old level, I think she's very advanced. I'm a proud, proud father here. Oh, she's. I had a very unetiquette moment myself. Oh, no. What happened? Oh, my gosh. I was at a party and we were eating out on a, a big deck 
you know, the bugs were really starting to get bad and we were passing around bug spray. And I don't know what I was thinking, but I sprayed like right under the table and it all went up. And, no. like, it coated all. And thank goodness, like everyone I was sitting with were good friends. And even Cousin GP was at the table. So it was like a family member. But oh gosh, I like I ruined like everybody's dinner. No. Like I'm not kidding you. I really, I really ate it. Was he both? This was so bad. It was just not thinking at all. I thought I was like, you know, I was aiming it not up and out anywhere. And sure enough, it was just and everyone all of a sudden went, wow, what's that taste? And I was like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Mortified, mortified, mortified. Thank goodness it was a buffet. People could like get new plates of food and things. But oh, gosh, I feel like I wasted so much. So how did you handle it? I did exactly what I'm doing right now. I like covered my face and said, I am so sorry. I am so sorry, everyone. I'm so sorry. And people laughed. And then I just kept saying, I'm so sorry. And then eventually I let it go. But it was it was it was really embarrassing. I'm sure you handled it very well. And clearly you're still reliving this moment a little bit. Just mortified, mortified, mortified. It's okay. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I think we may have some listeners who could use a little reassurance in today's questions. Shall we offer them that same reassurance? I may still be mortified, but let's get to our listener questions and maybe we can save some mortification for others. (laughs) Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or please find us on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so we know you want your question on the show. Our first question today is no thank you, no gift receipt. <laughs> Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y, 
W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners, it's manners with an S, to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Wonderful morning to you, Lizzie and Dan. I'm a longtime listener and love to hear your heartwarming thoughtfulness on the podcast. It's soothing to know there are still kind people out there who are also trying to make the world a better place. This is my situation. We exchange birthday gifts to nieces and nephews each year. One family in particular never sends thank you for the gifts, texts, or notes, but rather texts us, will you please send us the gift receipt (laughs) after each time we mail them a gift. Oh, my goodness. The first time, we assume they forgot to say thank you first and just mailed them the receipts. However, now that it's happened four times now where we don't get a thank you text but only a one-sentence request for a gift receipt, literally the one we got today was, will you please send us the gift receipt? From the child's parents, nothing else. Is it within the etiquette guidelines to say something like, I'm happy to hear you received the gift, to hopefully remind them to say thank you before telling them, I'm sorry, we don't have a receipt for you. Maybe my judgment is clouded, as I'm also feeling hurt because I ask their mom what they like and send items in the toy categories they enjoy. Additionally, I've been working hard in my craft room to make personalized Christmas gifts this year. Maybe I should just skip them when making those items. Please let me know your thoughts with sincere thanks. Mrs. No Gift Receipt Without a Thank You. I'm feeling merciless today. I like it. Tell me what you're thinking. I am totally, I think fire a text back that says, oh, I'm so glad to hear the gift arrived. Unfortunately, we don't have a gift receipt. Leave it at that. And next year, I'd send cards. I'd be done with this. This is rude. Are you kidding me? Four years or four instances in a row? Like, that is of, of just no thank you at all. Not even like a, it actually doesn't fit, but we, if we could get a gift receipt to exchange it. Nothing like that? Come on. Okay, I know we don't return rudeness with rudeness. I know this. But I think that this is the type of moment where I'd start to say to myself, yeah, I'm done doing gifts for you because clearly you don't like what I pick out. And you can't even say thank you for the the kindness of sending a gift at all. All you do is send one text about a gift receipt. Yep, um, that would be that would be enough in my brain, and I'd be done. So you're starting to pull back. Oh yeah, oh yeah, big time. So my first thought, yeah, as I go to put myself in the other person's shoes, yeah, oftentimes a good idea is. I'm almost imagining the other person feeling like they're trying to teach you to include a gift receipt. That's so rude. And that they're doing it badly. Yeah. In their mind, there's a hang up. Of like, oh, if they just left the receipt in there or got the gift receipt, I could deal with this more easily. But now I've got to ask them for it each year. And they aren't picking up on the hint. The first year I said, please. And then I asked again. And then I asked again. And that it's almost become something that's a hang up for them. And it's it's really reminding me that if you're giving someone else correction, you have to be so careful about how you're doing because it comes across like this, which is really rude. And that's if this is what they're doing. This is yeah. me. Totally speculating. Yeah. Doing my maximum effort to think about Generous. it from the other side and trying to picture what's going on over there that's resulting in what you're. I think responding to, which is something that's really rude. It is, yeah. I'm imagining that there are a couple responses that could result in moving this relationship forward. One is you don't say anything. You pull back a little bit and you include that gift receipt Yeah. next time. You know this is something that clearly matters to them and you go that route. And I know that's making a concession when you don't necessarily have to. That's your best, best, best self option. Mm -hmm. You might not. 
send them the handmade gift, the crafted gift, the gift that requires a lot of effort from you and care and thought from your side. They seem very focused on being able to return the item. So get them returnable items and get them that receipt. And then you're going to be in really great shape to say, you know, I didn't hear a thank you. If that's something you want to bring up and get into with them down the road. Can I jump in with a counter offer on that? Please, please, please. Why bother? Send them the handmade gifts. They'll know they're handmade. They can't ask for a gift receipt. Now they just need to say thank you for the darn gift. But I do feel like all of this is kind of like we're trying to to pull out good etiquette somewhere. It's like we're going to like 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 quasi I'm going to good etiquette you into better etiquette. And like this does I don't I'm starting to feel like like the real answer might be to deal with the problem Mm -hmm. at hand, which I mean, I if this is a relative, do you think you can have the confrontational conversation? Do you think you can address the issue? You? What do I you think, think you can bring it up. Okay. I do. And I and I like where that thought is coming from. Okay. That you don't want to have a whole level of communication that involves interpreting each other's symbols. Sometimes it's just about saying the thing. And if something's really bothering you and it's negatively impacting the relationship, it's affecting it, I think you raise it like that. Yeah. Say, you know, the, the way the gift exchange has been going the last couple years has left me feeling not particularly good. And, and you do it in – a moment where someone can hear it, can receive it. You do it in private. You talk about it as something that you want to fix, that you want it to be better moving forward because you care about this relationship. You care about this person. You care about good relationships with the children that are involved. And you want to be the best possible parents you can be so that everybody gets along really well and feels good moving forward. Dan just nailed it. (laughs) That's amazing because I loved your sample language. I loved that it focused on that, you know, we've been doing this gift exchange and I haven't been feeling great about that. That is such great language to use for an entree into the conversation of, you know, it seems like I am either always getting the wrong thing or you're always requiring a gift receipt, you know, and then you could go into I do some handmade gifts. I'd love to send you guys that if it's something you you would like to be receiving at the holidays like I like the idea of it being gentle and just it's making me uncomfortable. So I'd love to adjust it, not end it, not, you know, do the thing I was all fired up and ready to do, which is just switch to cards, which come on, you want to this is for someone's child. You don't want the child to take the punishment for the parents not having the good etiquette at this stage. And I think there is room in that discussion to say thank yous are really important to me. True. Yes. And. You can acknowledge that they happen less frequently these days, that you know it's not as much of a focus for everybody, that you're a big texter and that a texted thank you would be a great way to reach you. And you don't need to tell them exactly what they have to do to fix it, but you can tell them how much it matters to you. And my guess is that they're probably going to pick up on that and make that effort the next time. Mrs. No Gift Receipt Without a Thank You, we really appreciate where you're coming from. And we hope that as we start to work through this and find ourselves in a place where we think there is a good etiquette solution, that that's helpful to you as you figure out how to navigate this tricky situation. Judy, you've been very unhappy lately. Something's troubling you, something that interferes with your schoolwork. Wouldn't you like to tell me about it? Our next question is titled Offensive Alert. 
Dear Lizzie and Daniel, I just started listening to your podcast recently, and it has provided me with many useful pointers, in addition to generally making me more thoughtful about my etiquette decisions. My dilemma arose at a recent work dinner. As a sales representative, there have been many scenarios where a client or potential client may say or do something that goes against my personal beliefs, be they political or ethical. It is always sticky when these issues arise, but most people are reasonable enough not to push an issue. In the situation at question, however, I was put into a position that made me feel at best uncomfortable and at worst offended and even threatened. A new client recently came into town for some professional training with my company. As a gesture for visiting clients, we will often treat them by taking them out to one of the great food destinations in our area. Disclosure, we are based in Brooklyn. This client was from another country, and as it happens, our general manager is from that same place. I invited the general manager along as I thought it would make the client more comfortable and as they had already corresponded during the onboarding process. I was right. The client latched on immediately to the familiarity of having a fellow country person along. It was all jokey and pleasant, until at some point in the conversation, the client referred to herself by a derogatory term relating to a person's mental capacity. She was immediately embarrassed, but my GM jumped in and said, Oh no, you can say that around me. These Americans are boring. They are too polite. This led to the dropping of a couple more derogatory terms, which are not worth mentioning here. At this point, I was pretty offended. I was quiet, and they noticed, so when they finally looked over, I just said, Sorry, just really enjoying my rabbit, which led to some joking about Thumper, and we were able to move on. To add to this, the dinner came up in conversation in our very open layout office in very mixed company. At the time, most people remained quiet while the GM, who, by the way, outranks everyone in the office, including myself, ranted about how boring everything is these days and how you can't say anything. I guess my question is, what should I have done at that dinner? And further, what should I do about the office incident? Am I overstepping my bounds by speaking to HR? Keep in mind, too, I have a personal friendship with the GM, though that relationship has always had boundaries related to this particular issue. Thank you for any advice. Sincerely boring in Brooklyn. And pardon me for my voice going. It's the weather. It's been affecting me big time. But I'm just, it's starting to go, and this is what it starts to sound like. I really want to thank Boring in Brooklyn for writing this in. Um, We recently posted one of our calendar posts about... um, humor that's not really funny. And I think it's really important to have that discussion on this show and that I don't think that you need to put down anyone or use any kind of a negative or derogatory comment in order to be entertaining. And in the professional environment, I think that's especially egregious. And I think you're well within your right to go to HR on this one. I just think that it's at a level that made you uncomfortable. In the moment, I don't know what I would have said either. I think that's a very high-pressure situation you're in with a boss and a client who are bonding over a shared 
space that's a different language, different culture, possibly. We don't know the exact words being said. But what I hate is that you, and I'm going to use that word, is that you were disrespected in that moment and and also put down for being boring, for not supporting that kind of language. And then to have it also spread throughout the office, I think that's grounds for some serious conversations. I also keyed on that language of at, at best uncomfortable, at, at worst threatened. Uh, yeah, offended and threatened. Yeah. And if that's the way you're feeling, I think you're absolutely right that it's something that needs to be addressed, should be addressed, I think are two things that I'm comfortable saying here. And I think you have a couple options about how you do that. And it could be that you talk with this person, that you tell them how you felt in the moment, that because of some of the things you just said, you were willing to participate in, in not making it an issue at that moment right. <laughs> and that you might have even let it go completely. But that when it came up again at the office, you really felt like you wanted to bring it up and you wanted to talk about it. If you're not comfortable having that conversation, I think it's completely appropriate to talk to someone in HR about it. And I like the way you keyed on the excuse making Oh, it's just a joke. Oh, it's funny. Oh, it's so boring if I can't yeah. say these things. Those are not and excuses for this behavior. They're such easy way, yeah. easy ways out of responsibility for what you say. It's not that you can't say it, but you're also not absolved from what happens when you do and how people are affected by it when you do. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a reason we say to be careful about these things. It's because people around you are impacted and affected. And... I thought you made a really good point in your show notes in our script where you talked about how important it is for the business to deal with this. Yes. Because you don't know what kind of impacts it's having with other clients that even in this particular case, and this is me now talking, even if it worked with this particular client to build rapport in some way, it was destructive to a colleague relationship, a coworker relationship. And in the future, you can't trust that another client isn't going to react very differently. Right. And it then comes back into the office and the person who wrote this question and watched it impact relationships with other coworkers in that moment as well. Yeah, It's definitely something that it's in the best interest of the organization to get corrected. It's one of those great examples in kind of our five-step process that you hear us talk about of who's might not be in the actual situation, but whose reputation is also at stake or whose uh, feelings might also be at stake. And um, so Boring in Brooklyn, we really think that goes straight to HR personally. You're dealing with a boss. And I think when you're dealing with a boss and there's a problem there, you want to have that third party place to go to. So my vote would be and my suggestion would be that choose in the moment when you feel like standing up and using the, the kind of language that says things like, I think we can find other avenues for entertainment if you're bored or, you know, I'd, I'd really rather change the subject right now. I think I might be one of those boring Americans you're talking about. And I would feel comfortable saying something like that if you really wanted to say something in the moment. And I also think that it would be appropriate if if you weren't comfortable to do what you can. I hate saying don't stand up for what's right, but I really appreciate the situation that Boring in Brooklyn was in and what a tough call it is to stand up 
for your ethical beliefs and and for the beliefs that you have and for your own comfort levels in the moment. And I would still say um, do what feels comfortable and safe for you when it feels comfortable and safe. When they make that turn to you and, and notice that you're being silent, you can always say, I would love to talk about and change the subject. And that is one of the closest ways to saying, I'm not going to judge you for what you're saying right now, but I am going to tell you I don't want to participate in it. And that might be an avenue you could take that's a little more middle ground. But I think going to HR is really the important move here. And I wish you the best of luck with this one. And thank you for being someone out there who's not going to tolerate this. We both hope that you feel confident standing up for better standards in your workplace. What makes a person like Mel act the way he does? Is the group ever at fault? How would you cope with someone like Mel in your group? Could you help him? Our next question is titled, Honesty Crisis. Hi. I just had a wonderful experience that led me to an etiquette question. I bought a couple pieces of furniture at an auction, an experience I highly recommend. It was so much fun. (laughs) We got great deals, and I feel much better about purchasing large items used instead of getting them from a big box store. I called one of the movers recommended by the auction house. Over the phone, he quoted me the price of $100. When he dropped off the furniture, we chatted a bit, and I told him that I'm an art teacher at a local elementary school. When I was writing the check, he offered me a discounted price of $75 and told me to spend the extra $25 on supplies for my classroom, which I most definitely will. (laughs) I was so grateful and touched by his gesture. I wanted to leave him some positive reviews online. Enter my conundrum. One of the sites required me to enter how much the job cost in my review. After feeling conflicted, I decided to enter the original price he quoted me. My concern was that if I entered the discounted price or wrote about how grateful I was to receive a discount, other people would expect that same discount for themselves. The last thing I wanted was for my review to cause him to lose money or business. I'm curious to know what you think. Did my decision balance consideration for his business with honesty about what I actually paid, or would it have been better to be totally honest? Thank you so much for all of the work you do. I never miss an episode. Krista. I think Krista did this exactly right. Yes. Like, yes, you, you, because also if you're making a recommendation, you want to show the other people out there the honest situation that they're going to enter into. And that discount really is private between the two of you. You know, that's not something that he's out there announcing like, hey, I gave a discount so that a teacher could purchase supplies. Like, that's not the deal here. The cost of the service was $100. You got it. That's what other people reading the review should expect to pay for that service. Yes. Absolutely. There is so much good etiquette here. I love, first of all, just the reminder to go leave people good reviews. We hear so often about how negative the online space is and how easy it is for people to complain. And and it is. And how dehumanizing that space can feel, how disconnected it can feel. And there are things that we can do to steward that space and to participate in ways that make the world a little better place. And one of those is we say positive things there and we make an effort to go and leave positive reviews when people go that extra mile, provide great service or run their businesses really well. That's important to know also. So first of all, great work doing that and making that effort, particularly on someone else's behalf. My second thought is there are so many good things you can say about this experience that aren't related to the price. You can talk about how satisfied you were, how appreciative you were, how personable this service was, how 
I, 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 I'm thinking about the, the quality of the connection that you felt with someone. There is a lot that you can say about that that is the kind of thing I would want to hear if I were reading a review trying to figure out who to work with. Absolutely. It's not necessarily with, about price. Yeah, I want to work with the nice guys. I want to work with the people that made me feel comfortable about my experience. Sharing any of that is just as valuable as sharing that you got a discount, which isn't really valuable to anyone else because you were the one that got the discount. So I think I think that Krista handled this perfectly. Awesome etiquette. Finish with that testimonial sentence. Yeah. I would recommend them to anyone. If you're looking for someone to help you with a big move, I couldn't recommend them more highly. Yes. Deliver that message that's the, the take-home message that you think they would want someone to hear. Great work, Krista. So you learn to share with others. You'll like it. Your friends will like you, too. Our next question is titled, You Can Have Your Marathon and Eat Your Cupcake, Too. Lizzie and Dan, I want to thank you for the podcast. I enjoy listening to every episode, and I'm always learning new things. I have a question regarding how to approach or respond to a frequent conversation trap I keep finding myself in. My husband and I are moderately more active than our general friend group, and often people will make very forward comments regarding our food choices. We are currently training for our third half marathon, and this past fall completed our first full marathon. Therefore, we are burning a lot of calories, and thus we must consume more calories. Recently, I was eating a homemade Rice Krispies treat, and a friend walked by and said, What are you doing? That isn't healthy. This is not the first comment from this specific individual, nor the first comment from anyone in general. One time, I was eating a chocolate peanut butter cup cupcake and eventually went to hide in my office because I was receiving so many comments about how shocked they were that I was eating a dessert item. No, I don't always eat sweets. No, we do not keep sweets in our home. And yes, my husband and I are both thin, athletic, and healthy. Therefore, when a homemade treat comes around, I do not feel guilty enjoying this item. In my last confrontation, my husband simply replied to our friend, she can spare the calories. And I nodded, saying something along the lines of, I will still lace up my running shoes tomorrow, with a laugh and a smile. First, am I oversensitive to these comments? Second, am I not wrong that if the tables were turned and I would approach someone who would possibly be overweight, that they would be extremely offended if I made such comments? Was my husband or my response rude? How can I then adapt a script that would first off help diffuse these comments and future comments while also not offending our friends? Best regards. I appreciate everything you do. Sincerely, I just want to eat my cupcake in peace. I sympathize. I want to eat my cupcakes in peace, too. It does not matter what size you are. Food shaming is not polite. Um, and it's no one else's business. And it's it's not something that needs to be happening. Commenting on other people's eating habits is rude. It's a very personal it's choice. It's a very personal choice. And think about the number of times you may eat in a day, especially if you're if you're burning that many calories. You're making so many decisions about it. And if you're making 10, 20 decisions about food a day and you make a decision to have a cupcake, I think you're okay. You know what I mean? I just even if she made a decision to have three cupcakes, she'd be okay because she's choosing to make the decision. It doesn't matter whether she's training for the marathon or whether she is much bigger than she is. It doesn't matter. It matters that it's her choice and she doesn't have to explain that to anyone. I get very personal about this one. I've been food shamed by people before, and I really don't like it because 
if you are trying to to monitor and balance what you're eating and figure it out and also balance the the childhood that most of us grew up on which had a lot of processed packaged foods that taste amazing there's a lot of balancing that has to happen there and i just feel for our listener in this situation i would take an extra big bite of that cupcake and say i live to shock the world and then just keep going about your work like it this is one don't of those engage. where, like, just don't engage with this. Someone is looking for a hook. If I if I was in a therapist field, I would probably say they have more issues with their own choices about food than with yours. If you are someone who's talking about your choices about food and and running and and because we're talking about marathons here, then I think you open yourself up a little bit to people wanting to engage you in that conversation. You do not open yourself up to be ridiculed or questioned or judged for it, though. I think that. That's different. Okay, I'm down off my soapbox, Dan. <laughs> Reel me in. <laughs> I, I'm picturing someone hiding in their office so they can eat a chocolate cupcake. And I think that's definitely the point where it's gone far enough that I think you might say it's not just about deflecting where you, you might even respond in a way that gives someone a clue that you don't want to continue to hear them commenting about what you're doing. Yeah. The trick is doing that in a way well. that doesn't make the situation worse or exacerbate the situation. And that's where the sample script maybe starts to be helpful because I think having something in mind so that it's not the emotional reaction to that criticism or critique that someone is hearing, but they're they're hearing what you really want to say, which is, I don't want to have this conversation with you right now while I'm eating this cupcake. No, you're right. There's two ways to handle this. There's the one-off comment that you can usually deflect pretty easily. And then there's the, we got to have a conversation about this. And the first shot at a sample script might be something like, um, hey, Sven, is now a good time? I'd love to talk to you about something personal. And that's Dan's really good tip of asking for someone's buy-in and kind of giving them a little bit of a heads up that, you know, I'm not asking you about that report we filed last week. This is something personal. And if you get their buy-in, you can say, you know, I know in the office people are aware of the marathon running and the attention to food that Carlos and I have, but... I'm not comfortable when you're making comments about my choosing to take a cupcake or bagel or a slice of the pie someone brings in. And I completely understand that your intentions are probably just to joke around, but it gets to me. And I've got to be honest with you about that. I'm okay with that. You dig it? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if it would work. but I think it would. And that's definitely that next tier response. And I'm particularly hearing that it's the same person now who said it. A couple of times that I think might warrant that kind of, hey, just wanted to mention that this might happen again and I would feel better if this part of this happening again didn't happen again. I would also suggest that in the same way it doesn't matter your size in terms of how you would want someone approaching you, I would keep mentioning that out of a response. Yeah. That when you're thinking about the kind of language that the, well, I can afford the calories or I'm going to run these off isn't necessarily the place that you want that conversation to go for the same reason that you wouldn't want someone making assumptions about you and using that as the reason in their mind that they bring it up in the first place. Exactly. Take us away, Lizzie. Give us a couple examples. Or if you just want to stand confident, I would say, I'm okay with my choices. And like, you know, with a smile. You got to do all this stuff with a smile. It's got to it's got to come across like, I'm happy with this. I'm okay with my choices. Or what about something like, I'm so glad that I feel really good about it. You know, they come after you with that cupcake. You're just so glad. 
And then I like the one that's just like, yes, and I'm loving every bite. I took a shot at a Lizzie script. Yeah, what'd you do? What'd you get? Want one? <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> I just want to eat my cupcake in peace. We hope that this gives you a couple different options to do so and have a killer day on that half marathon. Your teachers and your parents will give you encouragement, but the standing tall and walking tall are up to you. Our last question this week is about not seeking opinions. Dear Dan and Lizzie, I'm getting married in a couple weeks. Yay! Yay! And I've been getting some comments that I'm not quite sure how to respond to. My fiancé and I are fairly young. I'm 23 and he is 24, and we both look even younger. Mm. We had a fairly short dating relationship and engagement. For no other reason than when you know, you know. A lot of people say that we are too young to get married or that we are throwing our lives away. I didn't mind it so much when my close friends and family expressed their concerns because I know that they were just looking out for me. And as I've gotten a chance to know and love him as much as I do, they've switched to a supportive position. But we still get rude comments all the time from acquaintances and complete strangers. I had a cashier look at my engagement ring when we were checking out the other day and say, You're too young to get married. You must be in high school. Are you pregnant? Oh, gosh. I'm not. I feel really embarrassed when I have to answer these questions with people I hardly know. Do you have a sample script for how to answer these questions in a way that is respectful, but also makes clear that they will make me uncomfortable? I want to put any rumors to rest, especially among people I will likely see again, but I don't want to feel like I have to defend myself. I only see this problem getting worse when it's a wedding band on my finger rather than an engagement ring. Thank you so much for all you do. I've learned so much from your show. Over 200-plus episodes. Sincerely, Kristen. I This is just a theme. I'm wanting to defend, like, all of our listeners today. And I'm glad. I, I noticed that theme developing in this show, and I, I thought maybe you did it intentionally. And no, I think it was just, like, it happened to be the questions we got. But my first show notes are, are you kidding me? People say the most insensitive things. We are horrible to each other. This is are, like really this. And are you pregnant? Like I know that so pushes rude. it over the oh. top. Okay, so I just my notes for this were just to go through a bunch of different sample scripts that you could turn to in this moment where you're dealing with like a cashier who's who's you know making a comment like this to you. The cashier says, "Oh my goodness, you're too young to get married. Are you pregnant?" And then you just say, "I'm sorry, you feel that way. Have a good day and and move on." You could say, nope, just a normal adult in love with plans to build a life together. This one is like owning the compliment version of it, which is like, I know when I'm 50, I'm going to look like I'm 25. I'm so lucky. (laughs) I tell it out of there. I honestly think one of the best things you could do is just not really respond to it, but say, thank you so much for ringing me up. Have a nice day. The others are kind of fun and snappy, but I think that at the end of the day, That was so much rudeness delivered to you that I look at it as the classy move is to be polite and end the interaction, which is what this is. This is a very small interaction throughout the day. It can still be pleasant. This person didn't make it pleasant for you. I think you can hold the etiquette high road and say, you know, thanks so much for ringing me up. Have a nice day. That refusal to engage is so powerful. Yeah. We have talked on this show about the power of denying a social smile. One of the most powerful things that you can do is deny someone participation. And 
it sends a very, very strong message. It's stronger than I think we often gives our, give ourselves credit for. Yeah. And I think that in many ways what you're what you're talking about is the appropriate level of response, particularly for these quick interactions where someone is really just responding to an impression they have of you and for all the same reasons that it's not an appropriate question for them to be asking, it's not really worth your time to get into a back and forth sort of correcting them or setting them straight. The act of going through some of the more fun or snappy or um, even angry, you know, sample scripts that we could go to are, are often like they're really cathartic. They're there to kind of move you through it and get you to the place of, yes, I could say all of those things, but this is probably the thing that is the best to say. I couldn't agree more. I think it's one of the hopefully useful things about a show like this where you get to think about some of the possible responses. It's also going to be one of the topics of our postscript for today's show. So hold that thought and stick around for the postscript. I thought that the best sample script I heard here came right out of the question itself. When you know, you know, I think is a great response. It says, I know who I am. Mm -hmm. I know my life. I'm in charge of my life, my relationships. I have a real understanding of who I am. And it's I won't even say implied, but there's also a you don't know that is left unsaid. And in many ways, I think that that language is some of my favorite. Yeah. I also said to myself, you could say, could I speak with your manager? Oh, my gosh. That would just like shaking in my boots, Dan. <laughs> and, and again, I was thinking I about if, 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 if someone's really attacking you. Yeah. If you're in a place of business that's a public place and – Someone's really coming at you and it's not in a good spirit and you feel uncomfortable and you feel like you would question coming back there again. You can find a customer service desk or another employee who can help you find a manager or someone who can address a situation where you felt uncomfortable, where you felt disrespected to the point where you would consider not going back and doing business there again or where even just you're not feeling comfortable approaching a cash register to check out. That is a, a a high level escalation, but I wanted to put that on the table. But it's out there. Yeah, I don't think that's the tone of this question in terms of the the types of responses that we're looking for. But I, I thought I thought it was worth mentioning. I thought of another sample script that was sort of in between the two, of the deflect and the could I speak with your manager? Yeah, everyone is different, and I've got to follow my own path. I prefer not to explain my choices when I can't give the conversation the time it deserves. To me, that is sort of the two things of I know what I'm doing and I'm going to mention that I don't think this is the place to really answer your question. And it's not just ignoring someone. It's not refusing to acknowledge that the question was asked. It requires more of you. But that is also an option that I don't think is impolite. Kristen, congratulations on your coming wedding. And we hope that you have a wonderful and very long marriage. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also find us on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag AwesomeEtiquette on your post so that we know you want your question or feedback on our show. 
And for sustaining members, please remember to put sustaining member in your question. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. First time writing in via email, longtime show listener, and so appreciative of the wisdom you impart. Regarding Dating Dilemma's question about having splitting the bill sprung on them, I have a piece of advice that follows on from what Lizzie said about paying your own way. When preparing for a future date, follow the awesome etiquette advice of setting payment expectations early, then also putting an amount you're comfortable spending on the occasion in your wallet or purse. Quietly use that as your personal budget for the date. If the bill comes and the payment arrangement suddenly changes, you can be more comfortable falling back on offering to pay for just your part of the bill. You'll know that your budget for the rest of the period before payday will be unaffected. Even if the date didn't go as you'd hoped, there won't be a lingering sourness of being out of pocket, too. Best regards, Allison. Allison, thank you so much for pointing that out. And that is one of the great ways to reassure yourself is... You know, the the you can't control what the other person is going to order, and then if they're going to suggest that you then split the entire bill, but you can kind of have at least in mind of saying like, I'm going to keep my bill to this, and then if they suggest splitting it halvesies, you can say, I really am only comfortable doing you know what we each actually ordered. Here's what I've got. I think that's not a bad move. I also like that idea, that reminder to have that discussion early. Yes. And I think it's one of the reasons a lot of people like to suggest that we both pay our way to start. Our next piece of feedback, I apologize, I couldn't track down the exact episode that it aired in, but it's referring to a question we had a... A coworker who was hearing their other coworkers quite a lot. It was an open office environment, and sort of the question of when to jump in and offer help to solve something when you hear what someone's going through. And Dale wrote in via Facebook and said, I worked in a cubicle environment for about 10 years. When I first started there, the person next to me described a technique that she had developed. She encouraged her neighbors to listen and help her out. But she had a piece of red paper she would put up on the top of the cubicle that meant pretend this is private. If a piece of green paper was there, that meant help me right now if you can. Talking about this before I was settled into my new cubicle made it really easy to jump on board. No guessing. I shared her technique with my new neighbor when she moved in and we did something similar. I really like this system. It's a good system. Why not? I could see in a, a not a cubicle, but an open office environment, a uh, a paperweight that turned over on the desk or something, but it was it could signal. serve just as a signal that I'm focused. I'm trying to do private work right now. If you can wait, don't come tap me on the shoulder and talk about anything. I like the one for help. Like, please come give me help right now <laughs> if you can. Oh, just I'm great. terrible at asking for help. Yeah, it would probably are. be good no, to make are. it explicit. <laughs> Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's Postscript is a bit of a reprise and an elaboration. I wanted to talk about the consideration, respect, and honesty problem-solving process. Ah, And this is something that when this show first started, we really focused on because it's foundational for the work that Lizzie and I do, both on the Awesome Etiquette podcast but also in our writing process and in our approach to etiquette in general. The 
consideration, respect, honesty framework is something that Lizzie and I have both inherited and adopted. Yes. That <laughs> it's it's a, a concept that the fourth generation of the Post family really worked out so that they could have conversations among themselves as the business grew about how to answer etiquette questions that arose that didn't have a an obvious researchable answer. Sometimes there's a question about invitation wording or introduction protocol that you can look at references and say, oh, this is the way this has been handled traditionally. More often than not, etiquette questions are relationship problems or difficult situations like the kind that we address on this show. So we talk about core principles, core values being behind the manners that we promote. And we think of those core values as being consideration, respect, and honesty. If you were to develop those into a problem-solving process very quickly – because I want to focus on a particular step in this process today. We think of consideration or awareness for others requiring that you think about all the people involved. Mm -hmm. We insert a step before we jump to respect where we develop a set of solutions or responses. And that's going to be the focus for today's postscript. Exploring the possibilities. The third step in the process is built around respect, and that's where you evaluate the solutions that you've mapped out for yourself. And you say, how do these different solutions affect the different people that you identified in the consideration step? The honesty step is your decision-making step where you think about a choice that you can live with and you do your best to honestly evaluate your reactions or responses to the ways that those solutions are affecting people and picking something that you feel genuinely good about. We have a final step, a fifth step that's a refinement step where you then tweak or refine your answer. And that's the art of good etiquette. That's where you take that truth, which could be harsh or brutal, and try to find a kind, benevolent, or generous truth that while also being true and true to yourself is refined. And sometimes you need the refinement step. Sometimes you don't. Yeah. But sometimes it's, it's a conversation afterwards. You know, it's it's making an action happen here, but knowing you're going to talk to someone to explain why you chose that action in the moment. Sometimes it's going and washing your hands after a handshake you didn't want to take. Refinement's a really good step. <laughs> so steps one, three, and four are about consideration, respect, and Aussie. Steps two and five are kind of our little additions. There's yeah. this refinement step and this the step where you give yourself a set of solutions. And it's that step two that is really the the heart of our postscript today. And in our discussion of questions during the show, we talked about how important it is to give yourself some choices or some options. Mm-hmm. And it's an important part of of making this process intentional. And it can be so easy to try to jump ahead, to try to figure out what to do. And one of the really helpful things about Parsing it out and making this decision-making process explicit is that there's a good reminder here to give yourself a couple options. This is the creative step. It's the opportunity you have to also put some of those bad choices on the (laughs) table in front of you. Absolutely. Sometimes just hearing those bad choices will help you avoid them. I'm going to say this and it's going to show this person, okay, I don't really want to do that. I'm going to send the angriest, most invective-filled email. This person's going to know exactly how I feel about this situation. <laughs> okay, that's probably not such a good idea. Just, right. just that moment of 
Giving it voice. Giving it voice can help let it go. Mm -hmm. It can also make it explicit. It can re-engage that cognitive, rational part of your brain. When you say, I've got a couple choices here, and all of a sudden that emotional response starts to reveal itself as an emotional response and you can evaluate it. I've had to learn with people who are really close in my life who probably will see me in a moment where I'm really angry. You know, it's like I'll fume. And I'll I'll have this moment in it where I'm saying, you know, I'm saying what I want and I'm saying that, like, just how mad I am about something. And, you know, the the person is is shocked, you know, just they're kind of like, whoa, like, you're really steamed. And, well, you wouldn't really. I'm like, no, I would never really do that. I just want to. (laughs) And it's like... It's like, no, I'm not going to be my my worst self to the world. But there is a part of me that is so frustrated or hurt or dismayed or offended or whatever it is. And that part needs to have a place to live. And it's my job as a citizen of trying to be a good citizen to other people to not live that out publicly every time I feel it. And I think that's really important. You know I love step two because it is where you can get creative. And it is where you try to pay attention to more than just yourself and the other person. But you also try to pay attention to who else might be affected or might be involved. By giving yourself a couple options, you give yourself choices. Yeah. And choice is a really powerful thing because it it, it opens up possibilities. I I, I like the idea that this is the creative step. and. If you're like me and you're results-oriented and you're focused on the end, <laughs> and and I when I teach this, I warn groups. I say, give yourself time. Don't just try to solve it right away because people want to get to that solution. And so often with good etiquette, frankly, the solution's there. It's pretty apparent. It's a common-sense solution that's going to make everybody feel good. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes if you just take a little bit of time to be creative and let yourself – give voice to some of those other parts. I think it's emotionally helpful and healthy. And I think it really does open up possibilities in terms of the the range of options that you have in front of you. It's already working. Giving yourself choices means the process is already working. You don't need to rush to that conclusion right away. I want to continue to reinvest and come back to talking about the five-step process that we use and and making choices based on consideration, respect, and honesty. We acknowledge at the start of every show that that's what we think of as the foundation for our etiquette. And I'd like to continue to make that a really explicit part of the way we do our work here on Awesome Etiquette. You know that I love talking about <laughs> about this part of, of Emily Post etiquette, and I'm very excited for future Postscript segments where we dive deeper into our five-step process. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and we need to hear from you. Um, we have had a slowdown in etiquette salutes, and I'm not sure if everyone's just on summer vacation or what, but I am hoping that folks will write in with all the good etiquette that they are seeing out in the world. Today's comes from Eloise. Hello, awesome etiquette family. I'd like to start by saying that I truly enjoy the show. On those really difficult days where it seems as though the world has been dreary and less than accommodating, I plug y'all into my ears and I'm immediately transported to a cozy sofa with a knitting project in hand, a cup of coffee beside me, and some kind of large dog asleep at my feet. 
Just enjoying the pleasant company of trusted friends. Thank you. Woo, that is quite, I like that picture. Well, that's a picture of your wife, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Touche, cousin. I wanted to give an etiquette salute to one of the college interns that I have hired for my company this summer. Blake is the son of one of our highest ranking company officers and a junior in college studying business management. His intern duties are in no way glamorous, answering incoming calls, scanning a massive backlog of documents. Mosquito abatement. This one gave me a double take, but it's rainy season in Texas is the explanation and any other duties that full-time employees have fallen behind on. Recently, I asked him to help me place a lunch order for a company-wide meeting, 50 individual lunch orders, with almost every order having some kind of substitution or special request. No small feat. Despite Blake executing perfectly on the order, we came up one meal short on the day of the meeting with no immediate way to remedy the situation with the lunch provider. Without hesitation, Blake took personal responsibility for the vendor error and gave up his own lunch for the employee. Did I mention that he is also an athlete and accustomed to eating all the time? Even when I offered to share my too-large-for-me meal with Blake, he refused and just wanted everyone to experience exactly what they had requested to experience. It may not seem as though this is that big a deal, but it seems as though millennials are often given a bad rap, oftentimes accused of being oblivious, irresponsible, and entitled. And Blake simply doesn't fit that stereotype. He doesn't seek special treatment or consider himself exempt from anything unpleasant just because he's the kid of a high-ranking employee. Instead, he has consistently considered the needs of others before his own and all without expectation of any kind of accolade. I will surely miss Blake's respectful and considerate approach to all of the daily tasks that he performs once he returns to school in the fall. Thank you for all the delightful content you send out into the world. Take care, Eloise. Eloise, thank you so much for this salute. I can feel your appreciation for this young man, and it is so refreshing to hear someone seeing the good attributes and the positive qualities of that generation that's emerging and will take responsibility for this world. And um, it makes me feel a little better about that happening. Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send us your next question, comment, or salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. Thanks, cuz. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider helping us out by becoming a sustaining member. You do this by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you love the show, please consider leaving us a review. It's really helpful. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thanks, Thanks, Chris. Chris. May I go now? Yes, you may go.